Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Hello and welcome to The Bridge. My name is Jason. I'm originally from California, but now I'm living here in beautiful Wuhan, China. And with me today is Bebe. Yes. Hi, Jason. Hi, our dear listeners. How are you, Jason? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm pretty good. Yeah. As you can hear. (laughs) You seem happy. Yeah. Yeah. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. I wanted to talk about global humanitarian aid, especially which is coming from China. I think that's Mm. very little is known about this in the West Mm -hmm. and what is understood is a little misunderstood. So I thought we could clear the waters up for a lot of folks. Wow. There's a lot to clear. (laughs) (laughs) That's a, that is a huge topic. Mm, It is massive. And um, yeah, it's a little bit um, I'm like, wow, there's a whole lot like feel that we can go into. Um, But there's always a start. Right. We can start from today. And as you said, I think when it comes to humanitarian aid, we always think of just, you know, rich, developed nations um, sending food and money to mm-hmm. um, struggling countries. Right. And that's our understanding of humanitarian aid. Um, or they send in teams of, um, you know, doctors and mm-hmm. uh, to help mm-hmm. with the, the sick. But in recent years, you know, upon learning more about uh, what China has been doing, like my idea about what understanding of what humanitarian aid has expanded. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm sure you probably feel the same thing. So, you know, why don't you get started and let's get into this? Well, you know, what's interesting. Actually, I want to expand it and contract it at the same time. The more I've learned about this, the more I've learned that a lot of the things I'm not trying to diss America right off the bat, but (laughs) a lot of the things that the United States considers aid are actually not humanitarian aid. So they'll say, Mm. oh, we're sending aid to, uh, I don't know, but actually Mm. they're giving weapons to calling it aid. Mm. So a a lot of what the United States classifies as aid is actually military hardware. So at the same time, I was learning about China and the humanitarian aid that is sending in the economic projects it's engaged in. I'm also learning that some of the things that I formerly thought of were aid were actually not aid. So expanding mm. and contracting. Uh, I think it was a year ago or maybe a little longer. I saw this video. I just it just came. I just came across it. And it talked about what's behind uh, humanitarian aid, like the actual effects of mm. some forms of humanitarian aid. For example, you know, we think of sending food. Right. Items to poor countries as a good thing Mm -hmm. or just giving them money as a good thing. But if you look deeper and you see what happening, uh, what happens after that on the ground, you will be shocked because um, you think of it as, okay, packages of plain loads of food sent to this country Mm -hmm. and the government there will just start distributing it right to people who are in need. But what actually happens Mm. or likely to happen is that, you know, it's a corrupted local government. You know, mm. instead of sending out those food, maybe they're start selling it <laughs> in the black market. And then the local economy will be impacted because people who uh, was, let's say they were growing wheat or rice and selling it uh, for money uh, now can only sell for less because they're giving out, you know, either free ones or some other ones through um, methods through uh, the black market. So when it comes to the reality, it's always so much more 
complex, so much more complicated. And also some of these local governments would become dependent on these aid. You know, it would be like aid for the government instead of aid for the people. I think if you're talking about long-term aid, mm-hmm. it might be that way. Right. A lot of what China does is there are two primary vehicles that I've seen when I've been doing research. Mm-hmm. One is short-term because there was a disaster. All right. And right. the other is long-term development. Mm. So, you know, we talk about One Belt, One Road right. or the Silk Road or all, all of the Belt names that that, right. that is given. Yeah. A lot of that is actually development. Mm-hmm. And some of it's in the form of loans. Some of it's in the form of just giving money. Mm-hmm. And and this is also really, really misunderstood. And I think we can't tackle what is Chinese international humanitarian aid look like without looking at the Belt and Road. Right. Because the Belt and Road is not just China and another nation entering into like a pact to develop railway in Nigeria. That's just mm-hmm. one case. Mm-hmm. It's also developing the economies of these places right. in such a way that in the future, they won't be dependent upon it. Exactly. I think, huh? you know, this is such a huge topic. I don't even know where to start. Well, we're um, definitely not going to get through it in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But uh, from what I've learned about humanitarian aid, especially that those from China, it's um, I get the feeling that China cares more about the long-term effects. Right, the long-term mm-hmm. view, mm-hmm. and also non-interference. I think that's another uh, very <laughs> yeah, important yeah, yeah. So aspect you, of it. Yeah. Because a lot of international aid to poorer countries, they come with strings attached, right? Absolutely. They come with yeah. uh, the fact that, you, okay, you want us to help you, then you do one, two, three, four, five. Right? Exactly. I don't want to go into that. You know, so we mm-hmm. have the World Bank and we have, uh, you know, various European American entities and bodies. What they will do is they will make a loan mm-hmm. and then they will sometimes at the beginning of the outset of that loan, huge loan, billions of dollars, they'll say, OK, in order for you to get this money, you need to change your internal government in X, Y and Z ways, just like you're saying. Mm-hmm. And then if they're not able to pay, they use this as a kind of debt trap mm-hmm. and they say, oh, well, you're not able to pay. Well, restructure that for you if you make M, N, N, O changes to your internal government. Mm. Which, and there's another banking system mm. called the AIIB, which is was started by China, but it's actually more than 60 countries now. Right. And they will give loans with no, inter- you don't have to change your mm-hmm. government at all. Mm. We do want to look at the plans and we want to approve specific projects like a dam here or a railway station here to make sure that the money is being used wisely, mm-hmm. but they don't force the other government to change their their policies. Right. China has a very much your internal sovereign state is your internal sovereign state mm-hmm. policy. Now also, and this comes from Xi Jinping, mm-hmm. it's they use what we call win-win diplomacy. Right, so right. China, China's gaining, you know, you hear a, a, a in the West, you hear a lot of people say, oh, but there are so many Chinese workers working on, <laughs> oh, yeah, and African workers or like mm-hmm. wherever you are, their Chinese is, ga- China is gaining by having employed people and Africa, African countries or other undeveloped areas are gaining by having Mm. people employed and infrastructure being developed too. It's not, neither party is losing in these, uh, in the one belt, one road. Mm -hmm. And I want to go further than that Mm. because of the pandemic, a lot of different countries couldn't pay the loans that they were given. It wasn't always to AIIB. It was some, some of them were private banks and some of them were the Chinese government specifically. Mm -hmm. And a lot of Western mainstream media sources were like China debt trap diplomacy. They're going to take over (laughs) your ports. That's not what happened. What actually, happened was China forgave tens of billions of dollars in debt. Mm. Now, I'm not making this up. 
For people who want to read about it, you can go to John Hopkins School of International Studies, China Africa Research Institute. Mm-hmm. Go look for debt relief. And it, you, it outlines the tens of billions of dollars that were forgiven mm-hmm. or restructured by China as a consequence of the pandemic. A couple of different Chinese banks, Exim Bank and CIDCA, mm-hmm. suspended $1.3 billion in debt for 16 African countries, $25 million for the Maldives, $40 million for Tajikistan, $110 million to Zambia, $378 million to Kenya. And the list just keeps going and going and going. This is just money that China was like, okay, we see that you cannot pay this. Mm -hmm. What we're going to do is erase it in some cases. And in some cases it was restructured. So payments don't begin until two or three years Mm -hmm. later. Later, I could keep going. I could literally have a list in front of me of all of the debt that was forgiven. (laughs) My point point is to our listeners is there's no Chinese Mm. debt trap diplomacy. China does not want to take over someone's ports. That's not interesting. What happened was really China got really, really good at building infrastructure because it was alleviating its own problems. Then it was like, well, this works. We're running out of, yeah, we're, we're, they're also like, we're running out of stuff to fix here. So they exported right. their ability to build infrastructure to other places around the world to help right. their fellow man. This is under the United Nations and called, it's called South South Development, where China, as a former member of the global South, the developing world, mm-hmm. is helping other current members of the developing world develop their infrastructure because they have the capability, the technology, the know how, mm-hmm. the, the management skills and the money to help them do it. And that's amazing. And also, you know, underlying all that is compassion. Mm, And I think mm. underlying the humanitarian aid uh, when it comes to China, there is a very important difference between the way the West do it. I guess not every case. Right. Uh, But most of it in general, and also the way China do it. Aid, I think, coming from rich, uh, developed Western countries, I, I almost feel like there is a condescending feel yeah, to it. Yeah. You know, they they are given from a condescending position, mm. as if we know more about how to do things, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You you adopt your system, especially it could be as severe as you mentioned, they could destroy the local government, yeah. you know, with nothing better to replace it. But I think from China's perspective, it feels different because it's like, I know your pain. I've been poor. I mm. know how it feels mm-hmm, to be mm-hmm, poor. Mm-hmm. I know how it feels to have the will uh, and the wish for a better life, but mm-hmm, don't mm-hmm. have the roads the starting materials, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, the savings mm-hmm. to get started. And I have been there and I have done the right things to pull myself out of the gutter. And now I want to share with you my experiences and also my expertise yeah. and also some starting fund to do this. Now, people might ask, why? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What does China get out of it? Right. I think I don't know if uh, you feel like that, but sometimes it's a stable world. Yeah, it's just a better world. Right. Yeah. China having um, pulled millions of its own people out of poverty. Mm. Now, that is not just good for China alone. Mm. It's good for the world to have to lift people out of poverty. Yeah. And if it if it's a good thing for China, it's a good thing for any other country. Yeah. Right. If they have poor people, it's good for everybody. Mm-hmm. So uh, we don't need to convince ourselves um, you know, the the virtues of uh, eradicating poverty mm-hmm. um, and also just that understanding of being poor. And I think in in everyday life on our individual level, uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but how poor people, they can feel the need of other poor people better mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. 
they have similar experiences mm -hmm. where there are a lot of um, kind of rich people. But to be honest, sometimes they don't know what it is like to be poor mm -hmm. and they don't know exactly what the poor people need. Yeah. Now, a few months ago, I read uh, the book called Poor Economics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you mentioned And this. it went into, yeah, it went into details about what the poor actually need. Mm. It might not be just particles of food yeah. descending from the sky, yeah. right? They need something more sustaining, like a method of becoming uh, better off, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, or jobs and techniques and education. It's not just about receiving food, especially if it has uh, strings attached. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, when people ask, no, what does China get out of it? That's when China takes, you know, it takes a longer view. For example, for all the money, and resources that China sends to Africa, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, all, all over. I don't know the details, but building roads. I've got and, some of them. Yeah, yeah, and ports. <laughs> now, even some Chinese people might ask, why do we do that? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. we still have poor places in China. Why don't we spend the money here? Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, you know, the money sp spent building roads and infrastructure and all that in other countries, they're using uh, foreign reserves which we cannot use in, in China, hmm. right? It's like dollars and stuff. Oh. And also, um, so it's a way to, you know, spend the foreign reserve. Reinvest. And yeah, it's better than saying, let's say, buying bond or government treasure bonds from mm -hmm. the U.S. because it doesn't really pay much. But if you invest in projects uh, abroad, it provides jobs, right, for the local people. And for also teams, companies in China. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and it's uh, once the local economy can uh, has you know, has the basic infrastructure and the skills to get started, the people there will have more power, mm -hmm, more buying mm -hmm. power. Ah, yeah. And if you do that on a large scale, the more people, let's say in, in Africa, they will start buying more yeah. products, right? They will consume more. They'll become capable consumers because they have jobs, they have money. And then they'll start buying products. Hey, maybe, you know, we make a lot of things here in China, <laughs> right? <laughs> Why don't you just, you know, buy from us? So it's not that, you know, we don't gain anything eventually mm -hmm. if things go right. Um, that's why we call it a win-win situation, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And also you mentioned Belt and Road and how, ah, we've built... Uh, you know, we're running out of projects here <laughs> in China. <laughs> we're not, but of course, you know, a major part of it is has been has been done. Um, and it's 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 a little bit more complicated. You know, for example, uh, to to support all the infrastructure and the uh, advancement of the economy, um, we have large reserves of uh, uh, let's say steel capacity uh, to produce mm -hmm. steel. And cement and other things for the mm -hmm. development of the economy. Well, we reach a certain level where we don't need as much. Like uh, the build, let's say, infrastructure building in China does not cannot consume as much steel as we can. We are capable of producing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One solution is well, let's start building things elsewhere, <laughs> right? Yeah. This country they need road, but they don't have the uh, factories to produce the cement or the steel or the things they need. Mm -hmm. But we do. Uh, we have the technology. And so, um, you know, it could be like just a foreign investment project. They can use our steel, right? Um, and in the long term, things will pay off. So if you look at things from the long term, things will start to, to make sense. 
And this way, you don't need to interfere in their local mm-hmm. governing, mm-hmm. you know, methods of governance, because you know it, it it just doesn't come into that, right? And there are、uh, win-win situations, you know, all along the Belt and Road. If you're good at producing this, well, great, you know, you can focus on producing that, and、uh, we will provide maybe the、uh, um, the money to get things started, right? And also the technology. So let's work together. It makes perfect sense, right? Actually, just point out one specific project about what you're talking about because I、mm-hmm. think oftentimes、uh, Western mainstream media, even some of the、uh, pundits that are famous on television, get this wrong.、Mm-hmm. So there's a、uh, Nigerian part of One Belt One Road where China is building high speed rail throughout their country,、mm. and、um, they one of the lines that was finished. They're working on multiple lines. Is the Lagos Abadan Railway line,、mm. which was a lot of the construction was helped along by the China Civil Engineering Construction Corporation or CCECC,、mm. but it was also done with the help of the Nigerian Institution of Mechanical Engineers and Matthew Adama, a Nigerian, said, "Quote:、mm. It has boosted the nation's economy by providing revenue to the government, created job opportunities、uh, to the teeming unemployed youth, and ensured conveyance of services from one." Place to another, and he goes on to talk about like how different parts of Nigeria are able to trade with one another internally now, and it's helped、right. along the economy in Nigeria in ways that、mm. are you know astronomically raising Nigeria's economic profile up. So.、Mm. These projects. I mean, in addition to the fact that you're creating wealth within Nigeria, right? You're obviously、mm-hmm. also creating a sense of national pride for、mm. Nigerians having that kind of infrastructure available、right. where they did not before. And also, you know, when it comes to building roads,、um, China, like Chinese people, are crazy about building roads. <laughs> like we we grew up、um, knowing this、uh, this phrase, 要想富。And you notice how it yeah, rhymes a little we, bit. We've discussed, we've talked about that before. Right.、Yeah. So if you want to、uh, become wealthy, build roads first,、mm, or mm, else mm. everyone will be re- isolated. You know.、Yeah. So I think we carry that same belief <laughs> while we、um, do our human humanitarian aid. You can have factories all over, but it's not going to be very useful if you can't transport things right out right, of it. Absolutely.、And、for example,、um, you know, Afghanistan. They have. Their specialties, like you know, pine nuts. People in China、mm-hmm. are starting to buy Af-、uh, pine nuts from Af- Afghanistan、mm, yeah, as、are. a way to help with their economy. They can grow other things other than puppy seeds, right?、Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. But then you need ways to transport it out of it, and hopefully cheap enough so that you know it's economically competitive.、Mm, and mm-hmm, also,、mm-hmm. um, now some people might ask, ah,、oh, you know, why would China spend all that money building roads, or you know, far away? What does it? What does China get out、mm-hmm. of it? Now, besides the long-term、um, benefit of maybe selling more Chinese products in the future, <laughs> <laughs> there's also another aspect:、mm-hmm. uh, is that the adoption of、um, international standards.、Oh. Now, so far, a lot of things in the world,、um, like the standards, are Western. Yeah. Right.、They're, the standards are made by、uh, Western developed countries. For example, high-speed rail train.、Mm-hmm. Now, before China started building its own, you could only find what high-speed rail train from Japan, yeah, maybe, or say from France, right?、Mm-hmm. They are already very good at that. And then, if you adopt their way, their standards, you need to buy things from them, right? If you need to fix the ah,、uh, I see what you're saying, yeah, railroads in the future, you probably have to buy 
products made in that standards from yeah, that country.、Yeah. You have to buy their trains, right? You have to use their technology, and they'll keep charging for that technology.、Mm-hmm. But if we can have our own、uh, system and standards, that's you know、um, also good enough, if not even better. I mean, I see what you're saying, but really quickly, sure. I, I want you to continue. I want to point out that no one has built as much high-speed rail now inside their own country or anywhere as China. So, like, I think China's <laughs> probably got the market on the standard now. <laughs> yeah, by now. Yes, by now we're pretty big. <laughs> yes, so by now I think we've、um, uh, we are the number one in the market when it comes to high speed rail.、Mm. So the impact is not just about the railroad. Let's say they build this railroad in Nigeria, and in the future they're going to buy trains because they they can't produce that mm-hmm. Uh, locally, mm-hmm. not yet. Where are they going to get that from?、Mm. Right, China. And then if Nigeria wants to connect with other African countries, they're going to build the same. The railroads with the same standard, right? Right. So the trains can run through from one country to another. Then there's, you know, more business in the future. Yeah, yeah. they can trade with other neighbors more easily.、Right. They can export their products to ports that they may not have access to because、so、they are landlocked right now. But then they can they can move that through other nations. Right. So even though he started with one project in Nigeria. In the future, if things go well, there could be hundreds of similar projects all across Africa, right? And all adopting、uh, Chinese systems and standards and buying Chinese trains. So, does it make business sense? It does. It just takes longer. India is also starting to build its own high-speed rail in and around the area of Delhi to lower the pollution, so people can take these trains. And、mm. you know, they are doing a lot of their own Indian-developed tra- high-speed rail technology. But as part of that, they're also incorporating some of the lines、mm-hmm. using Chinese partners and Chinese technology.、Mm. So that is also an opportunity for the One Belt and One Road、mm-hmm. to extend to other partners and friends. But you know, we still haven't gotten to just all out and out giving.、Mm-hmm. We're really talking about Belt and Road, which could be its own total. Like we could do an episode. Whole book. We could, yeah, we could yeah. do multiple episodes <laughs> on Belt and Road around the world because there are so many different aspects to it. There's the maritime Silk Road.、Mm-hmm. There's multiple routes over land. There are oil pipelines, a gas pipeline. It's so、right. com- so、I、involved and so complicated. Yeah, but it's very interesting. It is.、Yeah. I th- I find it amazing. It's it's、mm-hmm. it's basically global a global logistics and supply chain.、Mm-hmm. We can still have time to come back around to it.、Sure. I want to also just talk a highlight a few cases. Where China just gave without really wanting much at all.、Mm. So in Burkina Faso, China and、uh, renovated 100 schools in 2018.、Mm. Uh, it's Chinese International Cooperation Agency did this. So、mm. they renovated or built over 100 schools. So you were talking. We were talking about earlier at the beginning of the show. You know, teach a, a man to、mm. fish, right? So this is like the, the idea that they're building this next generation of、right. people that are going to be more that be able to be better educated members of the community to better contribute to you know a global perspectives or be better contributors to society. It's not just oh, here's your band aid.、Right. It's it's really we're going to help you develop the next generation of the people in your country so that when they grow up, they have better opportunities. They can create their own right. And let me add to the list. So Chinese people believe in building roads and also believe in education. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is next example, and this goes back to what you're saying about education because this is also technology. Because I, I actually read an article, I think Global Times, 2013 or 14. One of the best tools that a farmer at, way out in the countryside can have is just a phone. 
that mm-hmm. has access to the internet. Mm-hmm. Imagine how much better they could be at farming if they have access to some of the most amazing global techniques at farming. Mm. So in Uganda, China helped. Uh, they have a project called 10,000 African Villages Project. Ooh. And this is part of the UN. It's China doing South-South cooperation in the United Nations. And so far, 900 villages in Uganda have gained access to 5G technology for internet and uh, mm. television. So it d- may not mm. seem like much. Maybe they're going to watch entertainment programs. But satellite mm. television with internet is going to enable these Ugandans to have access to global techniques and, and methods by which they can improve their country. Country. If, if 10,000 mm. African villages are given access to the internet, imagine the contributions that, you know, the millions of people affected mm. by that are going to be able to make to the future generation. This goes back to your point about mm. education. Right. And also, I think if you look at a lot of these uh, humanitarian aid projects, you get the sense of um, a sense of compassion. You know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm, mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. really want your lives to be better. Yeah. And it's not coming from a place high above, right? It's, it's, it's coming from the same level. Like, we don't want you to, to suffer anymore. Uh, not like how, you know, our parents' generation or the parent generation before that uh, suffered in poverty. Mm. And we know the ways to get out of it. Um, and so, I mean, even nowadays, uh, you hear the terms global community of destiny. Right. Mm, Of common mm. destiny and also common prosperity. Um, These in China, you hear those phrases all all the time in these recent few years and they mean it. Yeah, they mean it not just for for China, but for the world. And I think that's the underlying uh, philosophy of a lot of the things that China wants to do and has been doing. Yeah. Uh, Like Belt and Road is a great example. Right. It's not about how we can take advantage mm-hmm. of everybody. <laughs> right. How we can make more money from this and that. Yeah. It is how we can work together so that our lives will all improve. You know, we have different starting points, but we can all improve upon that. And if you think uh, if you get to know enough, mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. hard enough, you will find win win situations, women solutions. And from reading poor economics, um, a lot of these projects that uh, that were done in the past from, you know, the World Bank or, you know, projects from other developed nations, it, it was they were done with good intentions, mm. but they were done without mm-hmm. deep studies of the true needs of the local people. Yeah. Right. Sometimes just giving money is not enough. Now, that sounds it's not about greediness. It's about knowing what the reality is. And because only when you know enough, then can you offer uh, solutions that are effective? And that's why uh, poverty alleviation in China is targeted. Very careful. Poverty There's alleviation. A, h- hundreds of different techniques done. Exactly. And hundreds of thousands of different locations depending on the situation. It yeah. depends on the local situation, right? You, it's not just like we will hand out money. Yeah. And, um, and that's why I think, you I mean, in the States, um, when the pandemic hit, right? And people's lives are here's hard. Here's your check. Here, yes, here's our check. <laughs> that's not really how, you know, we do things over here. Not because we're not yeah. compassionate. It's because when you do things like that often, it leads to other consequences. Yeah. But it will you'll lead to trouble in the future. Uh, but we we like to find ways that teach people to fish, as you mentioned, rather yeah. than just giving out the fish. But of course, in emergencies. Like China responds pretty fast to, to natural disasters all across. Yeah, it does. It really does. I want to get to that a little bit later. I want to sure, point out sure. one more example. So right. um, this is uh, aid that is not part of the Belt and Road. It's, again, 
South-South development for China help, just helping. And this is related to just health. Mm. So, you know, obviously, if you're going to raise help people up, you need to, this is for health. So Rwanda, mm. China assisted in the construction of 200 wells there in 11 different districts in eastern southern Rwanda that didn't have access mm. to clean drinking water. And now mm. hundreds of thousands of people there have access to clean drinking water as a consequence of this project that, that China ruled out mm. for Rwandans. Now, this obviously doesn't help, you know, just immediately the impact is not some sort of construction project project mm. or whatever, but it helps mm -hmm. people. It's done from a place in right. China's heart to just legitimately help people because they right. need help. And that is a beautiful and amazing thing that I don't think is appreciated by a lot of people who uh, call themselves China watchers. Yeah. And also, um, if you think about the landscape of China, you know, there are places, you know, with a natural climate and environment, just like mm -hmm. Africa, right? Like, you know, the desert yeah. area. So China has a lot of experiences, yeah. you know, and it has been through a lot and it has found ways of helping the poor people in need uh, in all kinds of situations. And we're willing to use the, the expertise, yeah. we've, you yeah. know, we've had uh, to help simpler people. There is compassion and there's understanding when it comes to the way uh, China helps. Um, so if people just stop looking at the way China, you know, does these things without, you know, through what do you call it? Colored glasses. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. Um, and just look at the reality. Uh, you'll see things differently. And also, I think underlying all that, you know, we talk about uh, the global community of destiny, about how we understand uh, the sufferings of a lot of other people. There's also a cultural aspect. Yeah. There is uh, a strong sense of uh, reciprocity. Yeah. Like th this bond, this friendship. And this is um, sometimes you help friends. It's not because you want something back, right? You know, actually, exactly on that point, it was in the 1950s and 60s after World War II that a lot of African countries began to mm -hmm. get gain their independence from European colonizers. And at, at that same time, there were a mm. lot of communications between China and mm. Africa talking about how to build a future together. And so the growth that we have now, where China has basically found mm -hmm. multiple formulas for leading to economic success, China is eager to share with its friends in other underdeveloped areas because both of them mm. came out of a similar situation where China was mm. bullied by Europeans mm. and the Japanese and Africa was bullied by multiple like colonial right. states in, in Europe. And they were both coming into their own to like re develop and rejuvenize their national mm -hmm. status and their economics for the people that live there. And China and Africa really mm. had a lot in common. And so it makes a right. complete sense historically, the direction of history from, from that time to this time, why China and Africa are such good partners right. now. Right. And also it, it's like we've suffered before, right? Um, and we understand mm. what you've been through. And that's uh, that's on the level of emotions almost. Mm. So that's why I think China, uh, even though some people think China is a developed country or it's on the way to become mm -hmm, a very mm -hmm, developed mm -hmm. country, although, you know, the, the degree of development varies across the, yes, the huge yes, yes, yes. Uh, landscape. Um, but China will always stand with the developing countries, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? It's not going to be like, oh, I'm rich enough now. I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm high up. I'm just looking down at you guys. 
that's that's not going to be the way. I think there's tenderness in in our minds and our hearts um, for people who are suffering, um, and we don't, you know, we want to help them. We generally want to help them, hmm. and there's a sincerity and kindness, and it's not just one way. You know, there are uh, we we call them like friend friendship countries almost. Hmm. For example, Pakistan, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? It's like. We don't need reasons to be good to Pakistan <laughs> because we are friends, uh, mm. and and because there is you know mutual uh, sincerity and kindness, and these are powerful forces for the Chinese people. Mm. Like the Chinese people fall for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think for um, my for American people, you know, um, probably people fall for the dollars more. It's just it's just more attractive, right? Yeah. But I hear, you know, for a lot of Chinese people, we're just we're soft that way. (laughs) (laughs) And it goes from the individual level to the national level. I'm just going to tell you some examples. Absolutely. Um, Sure. So in at the start of the pandemic, the China got over its worst period. Wuhan got over its worst period by Mm -hmm. uh, early spring in 2020. Right. Mm. And by then, in March that time, uh, the pandemic had you know, it's like it was found in a lot of places in the world. Mm. And in early March, China sent like uh, a lot of masks mm-hmm. and other materials to mm-hmm. Pakistan and also many other countries. Oh, but, yeah. you know, Pakistan was one of the earlier ones. And I think um, and also at that time, Pakistan was suffering from locusts. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Remember that? Yes. Yeah. Um, what do you call that? Locust um, catastrophe or disaster? Yeah, I think locusts is enough. <laughs> it's yeah. it's even okay. like biblical. <laughs> oh no, the locusts are here. I remember that that moved across the world island and also in it was Africa. Coming toward- yeah, 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 yeah. So at that time, I think on the 9th of uh, March, I still remember this. Material and machinery was sent over for the locusts and masks and, and also test kids uh, for and ducks. COVID. Did and you ducks? know they sent oh, ducks? Yeah. <laughs> ducks. Yeah, to you eat the locusts. This. They sent thousands of ducks. <laughs> the ducks were like, what's going on? <laughs> Getting on the plane. Where are we going? I know. <laughs> and later in March, they sent experts, like a team of medical experts to Pakistan with more materials. And then in early May, they sent a second team of medical team. Mm. Now, this was still at the beginning right, of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, sending material and sending your own people over. Mm. That's like... You know, even if it's a team of 14 or 10 doctors, but that is so much more valuable mm, mm. than uh, just sending money or material. And now, um, and it's reciprocal. You know, the people talk about at that time, there are videos about how back in um, 2008, you remember the the earthquake, right? Yes, I do. The, the yeah. Wintron earthquake, mm. right? One of the worst in China's history. And at that time, Pakistan send over 22,260 tents. Wow. <laughs> now, the reason why um, it was an exact number is because that's all they had wow. as their wow. military strategic reserve. Mm. And they, the plane they used to uh, transport those tents and other materials, they took all the seats out um, wow. and they put the tents over. And like Chinese people will remember things like that forever. Mm. And it's not about how much money we get from uh, sending over aid or the uh, investment return rate for these projects in the future. Sometimes it's just about sincerity and kindness. And in China, we have this phrase, um, It's like a kindness. You gave me a kindness of one drop of water Mm. and I will return it. 
as a spring of water, like a spring with endless of water. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that is something that the Chinese people live with. And um, it's just this natural sense of reciprocity. You are kind to me yeah. and I will be kind to you. And that's, you know, that's friends, right? That's, uh, um, and it's, it's not just for uh, Pakistan, um, for a lot of other countries. And sometimes it's, um, you know, still develop, developing countries, but you feel the sincerity. And also back in um, the March of 2020, mm -hmm. the start of the, when Europe, the pandemic was erupting in Europe, mm -hmm. um, in early May, three medical teams were sent to Italy mm -hmm. with like, I still have those numbers, like 31 tons of material mm. uh, on the 12th of March. And then on the 18th of March, second team arrived with equipment in Milan. And then on the 25th of March, a third team with 14 Chinese medical experts. Uh, experts were sent over because at that time, I think Italy was suffering a lot, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, at the beginning. Uh, and now I saw videos of people thinking back to the time of the Wintran earthquake back in 2008. Now, after a few days after it happened, I think maybe a few days mm -hmm. or 10 days, uh, two planes arrived in Sichuan, mm -hmm. the epicenter of the earthquake from Italy mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. carrying tents, I think 200 of them worth like over 4,000 4, euros each, mm. some of the best they, um, that they had. Mm. And the technical, like people, uh, technicians came to uh, construct those tents because they're not just regular tents. Right. These are tents as moving hospitals. They call them moving hospitals. Yeah. So they came with tents, blankets, and equipment, and their medical, medical staff. And they helped uh, the injured um, in, in the local during the um, earthquake. And things like that, you know? The Chinese people remember that forever. And whenever in the future we have an opportunity, we almost consider it as an opportunity to help, to give back, we will. I've seen that a lot. I've actually, mm. because most of the stuff we spoke about in the first half of the show, I only learned about that like deeply in the last couple months, but I began from mm -hmm. a different place. I began from like the kind of just direct aid place. And it just right. overwhelmed me how much, how many opportunities that China had found to help its fellow, mm. their fellow men, fellow human beings. Right. So, you know, I, I also have a lot of things I wanted to share as well. So sure, please. recently there was an, a volcano that erupted this year right, in Tong Tonga mm. called the, I'm going to destroy this. It's called the Hunga Tonga Hinga Haapai volcano. I'm sorry if I wow. mispronounced you that. You did pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was practicing in my head. Um, right. But China immediately was the first to arrive with uh, two ships full of aid, uh, 1,400 tons of aid, including water purifiers and medicine uh, tractors, generators, portable. No one even died in this in this mm. volcano, fortunately. But like mm. immediately, China arrived with 500 prefab homes and you know tons of medical protective masks and disinfectants and bottled water and mm. food, instant food and re disaster relief kits. And th then they sent more ships later on. I'm not sure what all was on those later shipments, mm. but China arrived. They were like, okay, we're going, and they just left the port as soon as they could load the ships 
and they got there and just to help their fellow man. Mm. And this is obviously just one of the instances. At the end of last year, there was a huge hurricane in December mm. that struck the Philippines, which is like 10,000 islands. Mm. So obviously some islands were hit a lot harder. So China donated 10,000 tons of food and and 22 million pounds uh, of food and water and, and medical equipment and other things mm-hmm. to, to the Philippines at that time. In addition to the fact that China is also building bridges there, literally. Mm. So our show is called The Bridge <laughs> and China is building better relationships with the Philippines by literally building bridges. There's a bridge called the Benando Intramuros Bridge, mm. which is a gift, no loan, mm. a gift from China. Another bridge called the Estrella Pantaleon Bridge, also a gift. Mm-hmm. No, there were no loans involved in this. They just said, mm. we want to build this for you. And China went in and built these bridges for literal bridges for the Philippines. And I'm sure that builds cultural bridges between oh, the two Definitely, definitely. And I think um, if we like do a dissertation on this, we can find so many more examples. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Um, we can fill volumes. Right. And, and I have to say, China is not very good at advertising. Mm, I can um, see that. <laughs> the, the good thing is it does. Maybe it's a cultural thing. I mean, you rarely find a Chinese person, you know, bragging to you about the great things <laughs> he has done. And maybe it's just, some people do, but it's it's not as common. Um, I think it's just part of the mm, culture, mm. right? The people you helped will mm. know, just like how people who have helped us, we will always remember. Um, but it's not because you want something back, mm. right? It's just people have to believe in compassion. Yeah. It's in our hearts. You know, you have to believe that it's not all about money. It, we are. There is kindness in each one of us. And it can be a great power. You know, it frustrates me, though. It frustrates me, though, that oftentimes in, in the West, they're looking for some ulterior motive. Oh, really? Well, that's just because they want <laughs> China want people to like them. What? OK, whoa, let's slow down and call, mm-hmm. like take a step back and look at this right. with a bigger context. Like I, I really it's really frustrating that a lot of Western commentators don't take the perspective that we have here on the show right now. I want to give one more example. I know, sure. I know, we, like you said, we just there are just so many endless examples <laughs> that we could just literally do nothing but examples. But this right. one I liked a lot. Mm-hmm. It, it really hit me. A ho- and I, I learned about this years ago. Mm. This was a project finished in 2012, I think. It was the African Union headquarters in Ethiopia's capital, mm. Addis Ababa. And it is a... 800 million US dollar building. Mm. So this was not a loan. This was a gift, including all of the parking and the roads that lead to it and the building itself, which the African Union use now is their like UN building or Mm. African Parliament building. This was a gift from China. So China just built this building, all of the relevant infrastructure that accompanied it Mm -hmm. and gifted it to the continent of Africa and the members of the African Union. Mm. And, you know, this is promoting stability on the African continent between different neighbors where they're able to go and talk out their disputes and work out new treaties arrangements and like allow increased stability for the entire continent between you know dozens of countries and and i think that is just Mm -hmm. amazing you know it amazes me for two ways it amazes me that they did this (laughs) i was shocked because i i very rarely heard of another country giving such Mm -hmm. a huge gift to another country but it also shocked me that i had to go look for that information (laughs) 
that I'd never heard of it until I went to look for something like that. It was like, wow. With the um, uh, like pla- video platforms and other forms of uh, personal media, it's uh, it's much easier to come across such information now. Mm. And, and they can become very trendy. For example, um, have you ever heard of the, uh, an African island nation called Union de Comores? No. I think Chinese name is... Mm. And uh, some videos about it became, uh, you know, popular online because uh, when the pandemic first hit Wuhan back, you know, that's wow, two, over two years ago, almost mm. three mm. years ago, mm. they donated a hundred euros. Mm. Now, people will say, but did you get the number wrong? <laughs> no, they, you know, it's a very, very underdeveloped mm. Uh, mm. nation. And that's literally, you know, all they could afford. But we remember that. Mm. And as I, as I said, the Chinese people fall for that. <laughs> <laughs> for that generosity, for that compassion, you know, for that understanding that, oh, you are suffering. I know it's, it must be hard. Let me help however much I can. And of course, when, you know, when the pandemic influenced um, its own country or some other uh, bad things happen, China will respond, mm, mm. will definitely yeah. help back. And also how uh, Mozambique, yeah. uh, Mo- Mozambique. Uh, Mozambique, they donated, I think, 40,000 RMB. Mm. So I think that's a few thousand dollars mm-hmm. back when the uh, Wenchuan earthquake hit mm. back in 2008. And China responds, you know, by providing uh, relief materials. I mean, there are so many other countries we can help, right? But mm. because they've done that in the in, in the past, and they just stood out. I mean, China is willing to help as many as we can, but you know, they just stood out because of something yeah. uh, they did, you know, in the past. So I just want to say that reciprocity, yeah. this uh, exchange of kindness and compassion, it's real, yeah, right? and it works. It works for every human being. And by work, I don't mean that, you know, it works towards towards a certain end, but it's just it's in all of us. This um, this hope for good things to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. This um, uh, this will of less suffering all across the world. Um, we all have that. And I, I, I really hope that, you know, in the future, that seed of compassion will uh, will grow in all of us. And we have to believe in it and nurture it. Mm-hmm. And now I'm getting all. I certainly hope oh. so. <laughs> well, earlier when you were speaking, actually, I, I didn't want to mention it, but I almost got teary eyed a little bit. So, but, uh, but, you know, I think that, you know, the United Nations, firstly, uh, China is the number two contributor to the budget for the United Nations. The United Nations tries to alleviate poverty all over the world, too. One of their goals of the United Nations mm-hmm. is to reduce poverty, right. you know, especially absolute poverty. And what's really interesting is that. Even though the United Nations is comprised of, I mm. think, 196, I'm not exactly sure, uh, nations around the world. Uh, and in spite of all of its efforts, uh, China raised more people out of absolute poverty than mm. the entire United Nations, except if you mm. were to count and not count China. So when when the United Nations shows like, wow, we've made a really amazing progress globally with reducing poverty, a lot of that figure mm. is consumed by China. Right. Raising its own citizens out of poverty, which is was completed in 2020 mm-hmm. with the end of absolute poverty in China. So, like, 
China is very well equipped and has the tools, knowledge, and understanding. There were some European countries that even hosted members of, you know, uh, the Chinese Central Committee that were experts in this so that Europe could learn about maybe how to implement these same uh, features around Mm -hmm. the world. And I I think that there is a general global consensus Mm -hmm. among humans, you know, helping each other out and hopefully we you know we inherit a better future that's how our species uh, that's how our species survived mm. right it's not just because of individual effort mm. no matter how strong you are if you're just on your own you're gonna you you're gonna get i don't know bad things will happen <laughs> <laughs> you, we can't uh, always make it on our own mm. and it's natural for us as a social animal mm. right um, to build this this bridge, to build bridges mm. of reciprocity, to help each other out. And that's, um, you know, that, that's that's how you make a good life. And also, as you mentioned, how uh, China lifting millions of its own people out of uh, poverty. Now, some people look at that as, you know, as look at China's progress and think that, oh, now China is a threat. Oh, right. Gosh. But think about it another <laughs> way. Right. Would you rather have millions of people living in poverty? In the world, because when they live in China, they are living in this world, right? Mm. You think that's a source of security and p- future prosperity? So if Ch- what China has done, it's not just helping itself, right? It's just it's also helping the world in general mm. to have less, uh, less poverty, less suffering. And then, of course, we can uh, use the method and uh and the material and the wealth we have now to help other people mm-hmm. um so that there are just less people less uh people living in dire poverty it's a good thing for everybody we have to think of it as it's a good thing for the world uh other than just you know what does it do for me right we're all connected i completely agree with you and i hope that you know more of our american listeners are also uh, agree I, you know i don't i can't imagine anyone disagrees with you with, with us and for those people who do <laughs> Take a day off. <laughs> maybe maybe do some self-reflection. I want to talk up, go back around a full circle to the Belt and Road really quickly. One Belt, sure. One Road. Mm-hmm. So recently, China finished a, a high-speed rail that starts in Yunnan and runs off of Chinese high-speed rail lines that go into Yunnan and goes into... Laos? Laos. That's exactly Laos. right. The, yes. the, yeah. So there are multiple positions on, in Laos that are now connected to this who can export and import. Mm. They can import things from China and they can export their their locally grown food. This is actually a part of a larger Southeast Asian part of the One Belt, One Road mm-hmm. that is supposed to eventually go through Thailand and parts of Malaysia mm. to ports down there, including Singapore. Mm. So which will connect a lot of the Southeast Asian countries mm-hmm. to the global One Belt, One Road project because it'll go through. Yunnan, obviously, mm-hmm. across all of these these uh, Central Asian countries mm-hmm. and on into Europe and Africa. So in Africa, uh, in Egypt, huge facilities for One Belt, One Road to flow into Africa there. So this is going to integrate Southeast Asia mm-hmm. into the global islands like, you know, um, logistics, supply and right. economy in a way that it hasn't. So Laos is not just going to benefit by being connected to China. It's going to be, be- and or connected to itself. Mm-hmm. It's going to benefit by being connected to the entire world. Right. And I wonder, hmm, what 
you know, products we can get from Laos? What are their specialties? They must have some specialties, right? And maybe not too far into the future, we will be able to buy agricultural products from Laos or whatever the rubber, I don't know, (laughs) (laughs) whatever other things they're good Mm -hmm. at. And I remember reading about this in the news because I think that real road uh, opened back in December last year. I think, yeah, about that. I think, yeah. Yeah, and I remember reading about uh, the locals saying how, you know, it's not about just going to China. Uh, for us locals, we can uh, reach, you know, the local, another city, another town yeah. so much yeah. faster than before. You know, it helps mm. with our uh, selling our vegetables and other uh, Yeah, they products. can find the best best price for their what they're growing instead of exactly. just the local price. See, win-win situation. It's uh, China will uh, benefit, right, from having more choices, buying other products from, I'm actually looking forward to that, to having more imports from other countries, right, um, through the yeah. railroad. And they will have more As long business. as we get more cheddar cheese. Cheddar cheese? Cheddar, cheddar cheese, cheese and I'm difficult. on board. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just that's joking. A, that's, I'm just a, joking. A, that's an easy one. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of great things, definitely. And I think uh, maybe we should have sequels to this Absolutely, because there's so much content to cover in terms of the amount of projects that China's involved with with partners around the world where, Mm -hmm. you know, China's benefiting, they're benefiting, the world is benefiting from the stability, from the trade. I think my own opinion is that U.S. and China have been able to maintain such the positive aspects of their relationship thus far because mm-hmm. our economies are so intertwined. Right. And so the the more we can increase trade and, and stability around the world, better we can create a future without conflict. It's like it's like the ties, the relationship is so complicated now. <laughs> like if I if I hurt you, I'm just gonna be like shooting myself in the foot. Because <laughs> yeah, because literally it's so complicated now that you can't really sort things out and say who will suffer more from this or who will benefit more from this, right? Certainly, that one of the administrations recently tried and that did not go well. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of using our brain powers um, in thinking about how I can damage the other. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. the other side, why don't we use the same brain power, the same energy into finding win win situations, yeah, right? Yeah. Win win solutions mm-hmm. so that we can all benefit. I mean, it sounds so simple, right? Jason? It does sound so simple. It's just uh, some people, I don't know, they guess stuck. it's the kind of thing you could tell a 10 year old exactly. and they would go, Yeah, that makes sense. Or even a five year old. <laughs> but then for yeah. some reason, it just it doesn't come across. It doesn't make sense to people, a lot of people in power. They, 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 their brain is just so filled with stuff that they can't sort through simple ideas anymore. <laughs> but uh, anyhow. Well, at least you and I have solved this problem then (laughs) i guess we are the simple people (laughs) we believe in sincerity and kindness and compassion and reciprocity certainly do we believe in you know common prosperity and global community of Mm. destiny right everybody can become better and And win-win situation exactly cooperation and the long-term view and just just do good things oh Right? Well, you know, it's always great talking to you, a like-minded person who is a humanitarian. Okay, when you say that, <laughs> yeah. I know it's the end uh, of the show. I'm sorry for all those <laughs> listening. We, we, you're going to have to listen to more facts about how amazing the future can be right. through win-win cooperation in our next episode. All right. Well, thank you, Jason. And thank you, our listeners. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.